So it is such a blessing to be with you all this morning and to be preaching from the pulpit. I've said this many times, kind of every time that I've been up here at the pulpit, but, but it really needs to be stated again that I am so grateful for you guys' encouragement and for helping me out. You've all been so wonderful to my wife and I during this time I've been here at seminary. And getting to know what it means to be a pastor, what it means to preach, it's truly been a gift. And we find ourselves in this series on hospitality. And I have to say the ways in which you as a congregation have shown me and my wife hospitality has been absolutely wonderful. You've given me space and a place to teach, to preach, to hang out with your kids, to sit in on your meetings, which I know is not like a super fun thing, but I've been very grateful for it nonetheless. And all I can say is that you've done a wonderful job of showing hospitality to me. And I really hope that as I go out in the future to wherever God may call me in the next year, I hope that all the things I've learned here will be just such a wonderful gift to the next church I'm going to be at. So it's a blessing to be here this morning and to continue this series on hospitality. Last week, Stephen preached on one of my favorite passages in the Bible and spoke at length of the switching nature of hospitality in that passage. Peter plays the host to Cornelius and his servant, who then leads Peter to Cornelius and his family, who then play the host to Peter. It's this beautiful passage of this switching nature of hospitality, of people of faith showing up for one another, whose hearts are softened in order to see each other as God sees them. And this morning's passage in Luke chapter 10 will continue to build on all that we have seen in the last few weeks in this series, while also diving a bit deeper into what it means to be hospitable in the ways that we are sent out, as well as the ways we are invited into other people's places and homes. But before we read this morning's text, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Lord and our God, now as we hear your word, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we may discern your truth and shape our wills that we may desire your ways. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So our text today comes from Luke chapter 10. We will start in the first verse of the chapter and go through verse 12. So hear these words from the book that we love. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. And Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom 
for that, than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. So congregation, as we look at this passage, it might be easy to think that the only portion of these verses that concerns hospitality is the latter half, about those who receive the disciples into their own homes, as well as the judgment that comes upon those who do not offer hospitality. And while these portions of the text are very important, we will return to them in just a few minutes, I would like us to first look at the beginning portion of this passage and what it means to be sent out, to walk out in faith, how this too can be an act of hospitality. And I can tell that there's probably some of you who are thinking, Ben, that doesn't quite make sense. How can be being sent away into someone else's home be an act of hospitality? Isn't hospitality all about opening our doors and providing a space for others, sharing our, a meal with others, sharing of our space in our homes? And to that wonderful question that maybe none of you or maybe some of you are asking, I would simply answer this. Yes, that's true. That is hospitality. And... You see, while we often restrict hospitality to the simple act of hosting, more generally a biblical view of hospitality can include so much more. Hospitality can be broadly defined as obeying God's command to contribute to the needs of others, seeking to care for and love those who are in need. While it's true that hospitality can often take the shape of hosting and offering a place to stay, Christians can also exhibit hospitable behavior by seeing the needs around them and entering into places and spaces to offer what we have. In this passage in Luke, the disciples are given the power to heal sickness. They also possess a message of good news to be shared with others. They have something they can contribute to others, even in spaces that are not their own. However, in this passage, the disciples are not simply given the task of going to place A or B or C, to say what needs to be said and get out. As we read, these disciples have a series of rules and instructions that they need to follow, both in the journey to their places and in the destination once they get there. It says in the text that they should not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and they should not greet anyone on the road. And concerning these instructions to not carry anything with them, I cannot help but think that this is said in order to make all that they do an act of faith. So I know that there's many in this congregation that like to travel, and I know many of you, when it's nicer weather perhaps, like to go out of town and go camping. And I too really love to do these things. A break of pace, a new locale, a new routine is exciting after a long period of the same. And let me tell you, being in school still and doing homework every night, sometimes you just need a break of pace. Yet, and I doubt I'm alone in this, Whenever I go to a new place, even for just a short weekend or maybe a week-long stay, no matter what, I almost always overpack. And I'm sure there's some of you who do that as well. Can I just get a quick raise of hands? Who, who overpacks when they travel? I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I think, quite a majority, actually. So I'm not alone in that. And even when we overpack, my wife and I almost always have this moment of anxious panic of what did I forget? Did I remember my toiletry bag? Did I remember this outfit for this certain day we're doing? Did I remember this? Did I remember that? There's always this anxiety that comes along with it. We question what we might have forgotten. We overthink each day of our short trip or our long trip and what we have with us. And that's how we often go about our trips and our traveling. There's a whole process to be followed, lists to, check off, lists to check off, cars to pack up, and routines to follow, and more often than not, we have way more than we need for the time that we're going to be away. 
Yet this passage of Scripture calls Jesus' disciples to something different. They are told to pack light, really not to pack anything at all. What they have on their person is what they get. Their wallets aren't in their back pocket, an extra toothbrush isn't in the travel case, and an extra pair of sandals aren't to be brought despite the journey ahead. So last week, if you were here, Pastor Stephen reiterated a certain phrase last week that I'm going to reuse. And since he's not here, he can't get mad at me for using some of his same vocabulary, at least maybe until later in the week when we talk. We'll see. And he stated this, that God calls us to have soft hearts and hard feet. And I truly think that this passage that we're reading today is yet another amazing instance of where this is true. Jesus' disciples are being called to go out, to travel, to enter new places, all the while having a heart for those whom they come into contact with. And they don't get a second pair of shoes either, so I have a feeling that the hardness of their feet is not simply a metaphor. It's actually something that's probably happening because they're putting in the work and, there's, and they're wearing out their sandals. They are sent out two by two to walk the lanes and the roads until they reach their destination. And for us and for many of our own travels, when we go out to seek new destinations, we often do it to beaches, to woods, to tourist hotspots, to family cabins, or even grandma's house. We seek out places that are ones of familiarity and comfort. And there's nothing wrong with this, not at all. But it's worth noting this because the people in our passage today are going into places and spaces that are not their own, places that might be adversarial to them in places that they themselves have seen as second-rate for almost the entirety of their lives. It truly takes a heart of faith, a heart softened by God's words, his teaching, and his life to do as these disciples did. And not only is this a hard task, to not really take anything with you and trust in the Lord's provision, but also necessitate what comes next, being the guest in the home of someone else, someone you don't know, someone you perhaps have disagreed with in the past, perhaps someone you disagree with right now, someone who's different. And for many of these disciples, this is probably a tough ask. I can see myself in a similar situation, maybe like looking to my assigned missionary partner, like, hey, how about we like do this whole gospel spreading thing, but like, let's find like a, a nice hotel to stay at or like a nice Airbnb. Let's, like, let's live in some comfort while we're doing this hard task. Yet, as we see in this passage, when you're instructed to not take an extra pair of shoes, a bag for food, or money on your person, there comes a time and place when you need to rely on others, their hospitality, their help. We need to enter a place, a new place, with open arms, accepting what is offered, and doing so well. So if all these disciples, the 72 of them, followed these commands, to not bring extra things to go where God would have them, they would soon arrive at their destinations. So what are they to do once they get there? It is said in our passage that the disciples are commanded by Jesus to enter the houses of others, to stay with them, to eat their food. Pastor Stephen made mention of this last week, but in this day and age in which we find our text, this would be seen as something radically out of line with social norms. A Jew eating in the house of a Gentile? unheard of before this time, unheard of before Jesus called them to something different. And what is needed in these circumstances are soft hearts in order to accept this new task, the newness of their company, the new social dynamics at play, as well as hardened feet to bring them where they need to go. Now, this is not an easy task, 
and one that I tend to think that some of the disciples were not so keen to enter into. Perhaps this is why Jesus also commands that they don't dally, they don't take their time, they don't go around searching for alternative places to stay during their time in these towns and villages. One was not to pick and choose with whom to stay, seeking the most comfortable place to lay their head. There was no Expedia app or some other app for them to use to get the best deal, the best continental breakfast, or the most comfortable bed to sleep in. And isn't that how we often go about these issues? Have you ever had it where you're at a friend's house or at the place of an acquaintance or even a hotel where after that first meal, that first night, you just say like, nope, I can't do it. I got, something's got to change. And I know I've had that before where sometimes then I start making these excuses of like, actually, yeah, my, my, my plans changed. I'm actually going to take off and get on the road a little bit earlier. It, it's not you. It's just something came up, some meeting, just to get to a place of maybe more comfort that fits along with my desires a little bit better. Yet in this passage, such behavior is not to be tolerated. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his message translation. One of these verses, he says this pretty bluntly. Don't move around from house to house, seeking the best cook in town. And for some reason, this wording hit me upon reading it. Because honestly, this is often how I go about these kind of situations. We look for comfort and ease wherever we can find it. And we'll often jump from place to place, from house to house, if something isn't just right for our own needs and desires. But in this passage, Jesus rather smartly doesn't give his disciples the option. As we addressed above, Jesus calls these disciples to a place of faith and obedience. Comfort is not the goal. Spreading the gospel message and sharing in one another's love is. This passage, while we've addressed what it means to be sent and hospitable in the ways in which we go out, it finds another message in what it means to be received, to receive hospitality from others. And this is where we move beyond the softening of our hearts and the hardening of our feet, although those still definitely matter to this passage and to our lives today. Here, once we find ourselves in the homes and places of others, where we are the stranger, the guest, the visitor, we need to act as the disciples in this passage do. For it says in verses 5 through 9 this, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. In this passage, there are a few things at play. But what I want you guys to remember are two things in particular. Purpose and presence. These two things dictate all of our behavior when we are the guest, when others are offering their hospitality to us. In the places in which God sends us, we can never forget what our purpose is. And as we read this passage, it might be easy to give like a Sunday school answer of, well, our, our purpose is just to spread the gospel. And that's part of it here but it's not so simple in this passage. And neither is our task today of sharing our faith with others. Our passage uses the wording, the kingdom of God has come near. And before I go on, know that this is the best of news. God is coming near to us, to his creation, and his kingdom is at hand. That is beautiful and wonderful news. 
but it's also a message of judgment, a hard word for those who do not know God and who have not accepted his good gifts. This proclamation is given twice in this passage, and I can't help but think that the first is given in joyful declaration. Know that the kingdom of God has come near. God has come near to his creation and his people, and the kingdom is coming. We're near that point where it's going to come in its fullness. This is good news, and we should share it with joy and a joyous declaration. And I hope that when we're doing the same in our lives, that for 95% of the time, I hope that is how we go about sharing this message, in joy, in happiness, and in hope. But this passage also says it a second time, and it takes on a slightly different tone. For after hospitality is not offered to some of the disciples and the followers of Jesus, it takes on a word of warning. The kingdom of God has come near. It's a word of warning that no matter what, God's nearness is real and true, and he's coming. And we need to share this as well. Although I hope that as we're proclaiming the gospel, we err towards the side of joy and hope. But there is a flip side as well. Congregation, our purpose is to proclaim, to share what we have to share with others. This includes what I just said, this message about the nearness of God's kingdom, but it also has another part as well. I intentionally skipped over the first thing that this passage says for us to share to others. The peace of God that resides in us. This is our first word to those who would open their doors to us. Peace to this house. The peace that we have been given by God, the peace that goes with us wherever we go, this is the first thing that we have to offer. So this sharing of God's peace and also of God's nearness are part of our purpose to proclaim it to others. But there's also this goal for presence. The disciples are called to reside in the same places, to eat of their food, to drink what is offered, to sleep in these places, to be present to their hosts. And if we truly enter into this task well, this task of presence, we will be sharing in wonderful community with those whom God has sent us out to. And if we are present, we will hear stories, we will gain new perspectives, and we will become aware of the needs around us in this place, in this church, in our communities, in our world at large. We need to be present. We need to be listening well. So I know that coming up in just a few weeks, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. So for some of you, this thought of sharing a meal with someone might bring up some not-so-great stories might bring up some horror stories, honestly, and maybe some of you just really hate those spaces. And first off, I want to express my sincerest apologies. I have a great group of in-laws, and I have a great immediate family that these places are, these, these communal meals are places of joy and just comfort and all of that, but I know it's not the case for everyone. So when we look at these passages where, sh- where we're sharing a communal meal with one another, no matter your thoughts on that, know that throughout Scripture, Sharing a meal together is a sacred space. It's where people share one another's lives and share in the same food together. And each meal is a foretaste of the great banquet we will partake of in eternity with our Lord and Savior. So next time that you're eating with someone that maybe is a stranger or a guest, or you're inviting a guest in, know that sharing a meal is a beautiful thing. And as we come up on Thanksgiving, if you are dreading that, Maybe trying to hold on to a little bit of the hope that those meals in which we share with one another 
are a foretaste of what Christ has given to us at his table and that we will be able to eat of with him forever in heaven. So the disciples, they share in food and drink with their hosts. And in this space, they are simply to be present, to eat, drink, share stories, and listen to others well. And it is by being known and by knowing others, the people that are seated across from them, that our purposes can be accomplished to further effect. I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, shared the gospel with other people, but honestly, it gets a little bit deeper if you know that person, if they know you, if you know some of their stories and their history, and they know some of yours. When we share the message to proclaim God's peace and his nearness to those whom we don't know, God will still use that. Don't get me wrong. God will still use that. But when we listen to people, when we get to know them, when they know us, they know our hearts, and we know theirs, the gospel is a greater chance of being received and acted upon. And it's in these moments that the sick can be healed, God's kingdom can be declared, and others can make a decision for Christ. Now, congregation, I will readily admit that sometimes it's easy to share about a passage like this. It's easy to talk about having soft hearts, to have feet ready to go to new places, to be present wherever we find ourselves, and to participate in God's purposes for us. It's easy to share about that sometimes. Yet, it really cannot be understated how hard of a task this can be at certain times and places. This passage at the end of it makes clear that the message we bring to others is sometimes not received. The doors that we knock at might not always be opened. God's peace might not be desired. And no hospitality may be offered to us, our families, or whoever's traveling with us. What are we to do then? Well, as this passage states, all we can do is offer one final word, an assurance that God's kingdom is coming nonetheless, and move on to whatever's next. God will have the final word. And if we do as we are commanded, we can rest easy that God in his grace, his mercy, his peace, his love, and his justice will do as he will. And we don't really need to concern ourselves with it anymore. And even though such behavior might be what we encounter, closed doors, a hardened heart, May it not deter us from going out into new places, encountering new people, and seeing more of what God's world has to offer. Who knows when we will be blessed to share a meal with a stranger, hear stories we would never have heard otherwise, and share God's peace with others in need. May we not only be a people who are good at bringing people into our own homes and our own spaces, but also people who are good at being the guest. Remember, we are God's guest every day in his world and on his table. And if we are truly present, actively listening, engaging in conversation, and sharing life with one another, there is no doubt that we can fulfill God's purposes wherever we might be sent out to, today, tomorrow, and every day thereafter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.